Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the best of the Fantasy Fest 2023. It's me, Joey P., Joe P. Zapia. And today, we're going to take a look back at yesterday's incredible event on our YouTube channel. And if you missed it, you can go back and watch it, youtube.com slash fantasypros. Don't forget to subscribe and click that little bell till it goes ding so you can stay with us all season long. And yesterday, we had an incredible just potpourri of guests from the fantasy football industry who dropped all of their knowledge for you to get ready for your 2023 fantasy football seasons. And I know all of you out there are busy and maybe you couldn't stay with us for all 7,000 hours of coverage yesterday. So what we've done here is condense everything for you with some clips from some of the best of the best in the industry to help you get ready for all your drafts this weekend and help you get ready to make trades and make assessments of all of your rosters. And let's kick things off here with the best draft values because that is always important. And we sat down yesterday, Andrew Erickson and I, with Jake Seeley of The Athletic to discuss some of their favorite draft day values. Jake, since you are our esteemed guest here, Let's hit number one here. Let's talk about a player that you think is a great draft day value still on August 30th, despite all the hype, despite everything that's been going on the recent weeks where we've been talking about players and injuries have happened and players have been shooting up ADP. Who remains a value for you? Who's first on your list? I love that. I'm going to change up because originally it was like, oh, running backs and wide receivers. And then I sat here and I'm like, you know what? We don't talk about quarterbacks enough because we always talk like, wait on quarterbacks. This year you can go a little bit early. And then I looked and I was like, yeah, maybe I can find one. And it immediately jumped out to me seeing QB 16, top 10 in fantasy points per game, top 10 overall. Everybody loves JSN. We're giving, like you said, you got a giveaway with him as the third option for Geno Smith now. And everybody's just like, nah, he's not going to do it again. He's not going to come close. Like, look, 16th behind Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers and all like, I mean, it's just the fact that you can get him in the 10th round and you can get your quarterback that if I missed on the top six, I'm waiting till the end game, Anthony Richardson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, and all those guys are going before him and you can get Geno in the 10th round, 16th quarterback. Overall. That's just absurd to me. I get it's one year that we have an example, but why do we love his offensive weapons? And we're going to project them all for top 20, two of them in the top 20 wide receivers and the third inside the top 40, but Geno can't be a top 10 quarterback again. I agree with you hundred percent. In fact, it's strange, Jake, because I feel like uh, when we were doing drafts in July and we were doing best ball stuff that Gino was kind of going in the, you know, top 10 quarterback ish range or whatever. And then recent weeks, he's just basically sitting out there free. I did draft last night where I ended up taking him later than the 10th round. He was well off that board, a 14 team league the day before another draft where he just went far too late, ended up on my roster. And I just don't understand yeah exactly what you said it's like well we like the receivers and they're gonna have be challenged a lot in the year but yet geno smith it couldn't possibly be all real so do you really think it's just a matter of there was so much negativity around geno smith all these years that after the one year people don't want to buy in but i don't understand because what happened people were buying in in july why aren't they buying in 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 august 
It's it's I'll compare it to a wide receiver from last year. It's Garrett Wilson. So Garrett Wilson fell in NFL draft circles. I put that in quotes because people go back. People are like, oh, like Garrett Wilson's amazing. And that's not true. No, go back and look. We got fatigued. We got fatigued. Like Garrett mm. Wilson was amazing at Ohio State, amazing at Ohio State. And everybody wanted the shiny new guys that we weren't talking about yet. That's kind of what's happening with Geno. It's like, oh, the Giants offense is looking great with Darren Waller in the second year. Let's move up Daniel Jones. Oh, Anthony Richardson is going to run for 9,000 yards because nobody else is in that backfield. Let's move him up. Kirk Cousins, Jordan Addison, like Kirk Cousins does it every And it was just, everybody just gets moved up. And then it's like, man, Geno Smith. Yeah, we remember playing that game. It was fun, but whatever. Like, uh, we're just going to keep moving them down. And I'm all for the people that sit out there and they're like, how can you have two wide receivers inside your top 30, but the quarterback's only QB 18? That's only two guys. We're talking about three wide receivers and a pass catching running back that we all have value in. The numbers have to come from somewhere. So if you have all these guys receiving this and Gino's throwing for 3,800 yards, 4,000 yards, 25, 30 touchdowns. And then the biggest thing I think people overlook, Joe, he ran for 300 and yard, was 350 last year on the ground, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. One rushing touchdown. That's not normal. Like normally right. if a quarterback's running three, 400 yards, you usually get two or three, four rushing touchdowns. So I think there's even room for better this year. All right. Fair enough. Erickson, back to you. Let's get another name on your list of draft day values. Who do you have? Going with running back for the Chicago Bears, Khalil Herbert, RB 32. You can grab him in round seven or eight. I just, he's a starting running back and he's going outside the top 30 running back. So I don't get it. I mean, there's 32 NFL teams. So we're saying at RB 32, Khalil Herbert is the worst starting running back in the NFL for fantasy. You know, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think that he's a value because for him to lose his job to Roshan Johnson, who's kind of, become that second running back in the depth chart. He's seemingly surpassed Deontay Foreman. Doesn't that mean Herbert's going to have to struggle at some point or get hurt? Because every time Herbert plays, he's electric with the ball in his hands. Eight games over the last two seasons with at least 13 or more touches, averaged fantasy RB1 numbers at half PPR scoring. So I'm trying to figure out a scenario where everyone's concerned. Oh, he's going to lose the job to Roshan. Going to lose the job to Roshan. He's going to take over on third downs. Okay, well, what happens on first and second down? It's going to be clear Herbert ripping off massive runs because of having a mobile quarterback under center is going to make these lanes wide open. So is he going to catch a lot of passes? Probably not. I don't care. He's going to be rushing for 60, 70, 80 yards per game with some touchdown equity in a Bears offense that I think is going to be drastically improved from last season. So it's one of these things where Claire Herbert's good. He's a starting running back. Draft him. Be happy. Like, we don't need to pick holes at every single guy. Like, well, he doesn't play on the third down of every single drive. When he's on the field, he produces, and that's good enough for me, especially at RB32 price tag. One of my favorite things is that every uh, analyst that's worth their salt in the fantasy football community has an impression of what other fantasy football players sound like. It's my favorite thing. Jake does it. You do, Everybody does it. They all sound like that. Some amalgamation. Of the, I don't understand. Why can't I take Jahan Dotson in the third round? What's wrong with that? They all, everyone has that impression. One of my favorite things that I, I would like to do an entire show where we all just use that voice. Just talk that's like my, that the entire time. Just talk like that the entire show. That's the that's sound cool. of like going lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase. Like that's that's actually yeah. the sound you that's, make. With that's that. the sound. Can I that. add on real quick no. for Andrew? Fine. Yes, I'll let you two, do it. Two things. Uh, every game that he's had at least ten carries, fifty or plus more yards on the ground, five point mm-hmm. one yards per carry. Second thing, everybody talks about the pass blocking. Andrew even pointed that out. For by the way, his grade in pass blocking last year better than. Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. I'm pretty sure those guys didn't have a problem with concerning pass blocking. Uh, Erickson, let's get to another name on your list. Draft day values. Who do you have? Jalen Warren. 
Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers running back currently are running back 45 in ADP goes outside the top 120 picks outside the top 10 rounds. Basically what I'm saying here is once your draft is in the double digits, it's time to draft Jalen Warren. Like that's your trigger. It's like, Oh, round 10, round 11. All right. Time to draft Jalen Warren, regardless of where he is in ADP, because I think that he's just the perfect bench running back for your roster. Look, he was super efficient as a rookie third in rushing success rate, second in the class in terms of yards per route run behind only Brees Hall. And everything we've seen come out of Steelers training camp, everything we've seen in the preseason suggests that he's going to have a role alongside Najee Harris. Could he be better than Najee Harris? We don't know, but clearly the Steelers want to get him involved. So he has potentially standalone value as a player alongside Harris. And Harris obviously takes on a lot of volume. Something gets He gets hurt. He gets banged up. Jalen Warren could be looking at a three-down role in a Pittsburgh Steelers offense that I think a lot of us are pretty excited about with Kenny Pickett entering year two. So Jalen Warren is one of these players that I'm pinpointing. I'm happy to draft him around ahead of ADP because it's still outside the top 100 picks that you're taking him. So I, you really have no excuses for not drafting Jalen Warren this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the Jalen Warren thing, I see the role. I get it. Uh, I'm excited about the the upside. But I feel like there's been so much hype with Jalen Warren that Jake, almost Najee Harris is getting discounted too much. Therefore, I find myself hanging a ton of shares of Najee Harris because he's still the one there. And I think he's still the clear one. How do you feel about Warren and Harris real quick before we get to the last names on your list? I have no problem with both of them. I do have a decent amount of shares of Najee Harris because yeah. Mike Tomlin needs to change his stripes. Like Mike Tomlin has been bell cow captain for the NFL for years. And I'm not saying Warren can't sprinkle in more and even potentially make things more efficient because Najee Harris was pretty damn inefficient last year. But if was, you take this, the O-line was so bad, Jake. Well, I mean, no, and here's the second part of it. Better. If you split it when they hit their bye. And he kind of got that week off to get 100% from the list. Frank, mm -hmm. everybody forgets at the beginning of last I, year. For the I'm first glad time, you said that. The, yep. the list Frank was an issue. He was much better after the buy. Again, I'm not saying Warren can't steal some now. And I, I like the pick because if Najee Harris gets hurt, Warren's a handful, five or six running backs that we know is going to get bell cow work if the lead goes down. But Najee, it's not mutually exclusive to say Najee Harris is a discount and Jalen Warren's still a good pick. Like Agreed. Both, both are true. There you go. Two truths. No lies right here, Fantasy Pros. Don't forget, everybody, if you're watching us that? live, we did used to play that. Jake Mini and I used to host the radio. Right. Mini could never do it right. I think in, it did not translate into Canadian for him very well for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Our good pal, Chris Mini. But yes, for those who don't know, Jake and I, five days a week, used to talk to each other. What a glorious time to be alive for a couple of years. Just magic. Award-winning radio, by the way. Somehow Jake. you didn't kill me. I, know. Uh, I don't still haven't after all these years. It's coming, though. One of these days, it's going to happen. <laughs> Jake, give me another draft day value that you have out there for everybody to know. Yeah, I love, again, what Andrea said, by the way, outside the hundreds, outside the hot 120. And you just say, these are gambles. I want all upside of my bench. I'm not trying to draft Robert Woods. I love you, Robert Woods. I'm sorry, but like, yeah. I don't want replaceable guys on my roster. I want guys who can finish potentially in the top 25 at running back or wide receiver. And we've been playing this game of like, who's up next for the Chiefs? Well, there's somebody who stepped into Juju Smith-Schuster's role, and there's somebody who has a very similar skill set and a very similar ability to get open for Patrick Mahomes, and potentially even more so than Juju Smith-Schuster at this point of his career. It's always been, oh, Katerius Tony can't stay on the field, and there was plays designed for him. It wasn't like, oh, he's targeted 40%. Well, he was, that's great if you're only on the field for seven plays. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the other starter. We know him and what he brings, but Rashad Rice, Rashid Rice, sorry. Rushy Rice. Rookie. I had to Justin Ross the other day because I said it wrong. It's Rushy Rice. I know. I, I know. I know. I want to say the other thing, but Justin I Ross, I love. I hope he's the best. But as of right now, what are the odds? The odds right now is what brings to this offense that was redesigned 
when Ty- Tyreek Hill left and they kind of rebounded. Remember the year at the start off when everybody's like, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? And they started playing the, the voice. Game with- see, you yeah. did it. You see, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I did the voice. Gonna come out. The shorter game. I think Sky Moore brings what they need in this offense like yeah. Juju did, but potentially even a thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns. But again, even if we're wrong, that's what, what Andrew said. Even if we're wrong at this point at a pick 120 and it ends up being Rashi Rice is who cares? It was a pick 120. He was like the second or third guy on your bench. Take him too. take Rice too. Okay. Uh, there's room in 5,200 yards that Patrick Mahomes threw for more than one person to eat. That okay. Is true. Is there, there, it Ross. can be just him. <laughs> it'd be a nice story if it was, but uh, I know that my most rostered players so far, Zay Flowers, Sky Moore, Elijah Moore. Uh, those are three of the top ones. And, and Rushy Rice. Because if I don't get Sky Moore, then I'm throwing no, a DJ Moore? Rice later. Just all the moves? Uh, I, you know what? I, I can't do the more triumvirate. You just let that kind of go right over it's your head. Hard to pull off on ADP. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Mandy Moore might have been available in the draft, though. I don't know. I think she's single now. Before we get to the next of the best of the fest, we want to remind all of our listeners out there that we value your feedback and want you to make Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast even better for you. So please take a moment to fill out a quick survey at fantasypros.com slash survey. That's fantasypros.com slash survey and provide your honest feedback on the show. Let your voice be heard and help shape the future of our podcast. It can't all go well in fantasy football. So we decided to sit down with Jim Sanis of FanDuel and Jeff Radcliffe from FTN and Sirius XM of Fantasy Sports Radio to discuss some of their busts for 2023. And there might be some controversial names. So check this out here. This is Jeff and Jim talking about players maybe you want to think twice about. Let's be honest. It's fun to warn people of the doom and gloom. It's fun to put on the tinfoil hat for a moment and talk about uh, the end of days as it were, for certain players that might be coming. Jeff, I got to ask you this question. When it comes to busts, for you, is it any player that has ADP uh, that is greater than you think their value is? Or does a bust have to be somebody that is really in that upper tier of like the top 50 to 75 players to really qualify for you? I mean, for me specifically, busts happen for two reasons. I think we have to be really clear on how we define busts. Like if a player gets hurt, that player is injured. He is not a bust, right? What was the guy? Marcus Lattimore, not Marshawn Lattimore, the running back. Mm -hmm. We don't call him an NFL bust because he entered the league hurt. Like he, it's a tragic story. I wish we could have seen that dude play, but he wasn't a bust. He's not like Ryan Leaf or, or somebody like that. Those guys were bust because they showed up. They did not meet expectations based on draft day capital. And therefore they were a bust or in fantasy, the quintessential example, I believe it was 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was 2017 or 2018. The biggest bust perhaps in all of fantasy football history, Terrell Pryor. This dude played basically the entire season was a third round draft pick and finishes like wide receiver 80. <laughs> like that's a bust. So I think we have to qualify that. However, busts often happen in the collective consciousness of fantasy fo- of the fantasy football playing public because their expectations are too high. They draft players at their ceiling and when you draft a player at his ceiling, he is going to bust. Kyle Pitts in his rookie season had 1000 yards, had only been accomplished one time before Mike Ditka did it, pure games, but still he did that. And because he had one touchdown, he was a fantasy football bust. Because he was drafted ADP five and finished tight end six, he was a bust. He did not meet expectations. He did not meet the lofty ceiling that people had in their minds for him. He actually 
pretty much hit his ceiling and it was still below those expectations. Um, and by the way, just as an aside, not Kyle Pitts, not Julio Jones. They both had touchdown problems. Hmm. Wait a minute. Oh, Matt Ryan. Wait a mm. minute. Aha. But anyway, I digress. So before I bogart this whole thing, Oh no, I love it. Before I bogart this whole thing, that to me is a bust. Like I'm not somebody who goes out and is like, this player sucks. He's going to bust. Like, I just think it's right. when people's expectations are too high. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great definition. And you know, I hope for you someday, Jeff, that you find something that you're passionate about. Because one that's the one thing for you. I feel like I you're, you're always, you know, in your shell that I just want you to come yeah. out of it and just have some passion for once, especially about football, you know, just you know, I'm, let it hang I'm out really built for NPR, right? I, I have a future in NPR. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know, I can't wait to talk about pumpkin spice lattes with you at the oh, end of the boy. show and maybe some quilting if there's time. Sweaty balls. If there's time. <laughs> Sanus. <laughs> well, while there's time, it's Sanus. I'm, I'm going to try my best to segue out of that one, Sanus, and I'll keep it clean if I can. But, you know, for you, when you define the word bust here in fantasy football, you know, obviously every year we have these players with expectations and, and rightfully so to me, where it's, things always go chaotic is when we find something that we like at a certain ADP that's early on. And then as draft season goes on, the hype around that starts to inflate and inflate and inflate. Now, like Darren Waller is an interesting example, too, because I, I understood the Darren Waller argument where he was going. And now all of a sudden, when you start cracking that top 180p, now all of a sudden it goes from a really interesting value at a position where it makes a lot of sense to take a shot to, oh my God, he has to now return value. To me, those are busts we can avoid. Why do you think every year we get into this loop where certain players like that get overvalued? We get bored. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. Um, we are we allow ourselves to, when there's not a lot of information happening, we allow ourselves to latch on to things that are happening and that can sometimes lead us down a bad path. So that's not just with regards to like camp hype and stuff like that, but it's also sometimes like extrapolating small samples. Like, Mike Gillisley for the Buffalo Bills back in the day had one year where he was the most efficient running back in all of football. And it was over a small sample. We latched onto that. I, sorry, I can say I, I latched onto that and I overdrafted in the following year as a result of that. So it can lead to, we have a full off season to analyze things. And sometimes we're dangerous when we have too much time on our hands. So I think it, it can be a lot of latching onto the wrong data, whether it be camp hype or something else. And Overinflating the expectations. And I think I think I love the phrase that that uh, that Jeff said earlier. You know, drafting at ceiling. And I think that's that's for a lot of the guys on my list. That's my mm -hmm. concern with them for this year. It's not that I don't like the player, not that I don't like the situation. It's that I feel like they're being drafted towards their ceiling versus other guys around them being drafted towards median expectation. And that's not the kind of distribution you want to have there. I love this because uh, I did not have on my bingo card today that Terrell Pryor and Mike Gillisley would come up. <laughs> I'm very happy we did have that. And I guarantee you no other fantasy show on YouTube is going to be talking those names today. <laughs> Today's broadcast is brought to you by bettingpros.com. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up over at the YouTube channel. I know here on Fantasy Pros, we're 200K subs already. We want to keep pushing that betting pros number as well. So go to youtube.com slash betting pros, subscribe, and don't forget to download the new BP app as well. Start betting smarter, not harder. Sync all your sports books, find the best lines, and start winning some cash. And check me out over there on the NFL betting show five days a week as well. All right, let's start with you, Jeff Ratcliffe. Now, now that we've given you some time to simmer a little bit, I want to unleash the beast. Who is a bust for you in 2023? I have Cam Akers on this list. And really, I could include most running backs going during the dead zone period. And I want to be really clear about that. The dead zone is a period in the draft. It is not a running back himself. 
anybody who's going in that period could be identified as dead zone. But if they fall out of that in your home league drafts, they're no longer dead zone. So if Cam Akers was there in like the seventh or eighth round, okay, you know, you're going to have to tackle me on my way up to the draft board before I put that sticker up there. However, where he's going currently, I know there's expectations there for him to be the early down running back. He's going to be the early down running back on a team that I dare you to recognize one other name other than Aaron Donald on their defense. I dare you. I dare you. It is a disaster right now for the Rams. They are going to throw the ball a bunch to Cooper Cup. I have no concerns about him whatsoever, but he's about the only player at value right now I'm willing to invest in. I, my, my concern really specifically here is that they're going to play from behind a lot, and that will mm. take the wind out of the sails of the early down work, and we should see some Kyron Williams. Not enough to draft Kyron Williams or anything like that, but he will serve as the passing down back as we've seen historically. Sean McVay just does not have the trust in Akers to be a true three-down guy. So Cam Akers, from a game script perspective, is more concerning to you rather than necessarily the odd journey that he had last year where he was the guy, then he wasn't in week one, then he was going to be trade bait, then he was not traded, then he was put in bubble wrap, and then all of a sudden he was the savior in December. So that is less of the concern as opposed to the negative game script for possibly the Rams in 23. Yeah, not not much concern in terms of competition for touches. Uh, Zach Evans, who knows if he actually makes the team at this point. He was a little bit of a dandy, uh, a dynasty dandy for, for the folks back in May. And we've seen the, the wind out of his sails here. Kyron Williams is kind of just a guy. I mean, I know, sorry, Notre Dame people, but he tested so poorly in the pre-draft process. He's a Sean McVay guy. Sean McVay likes this certain type of player, but I just don't see him eating into it. But the challenge is if you're an early down guy on a team that may struggle to move the football, may kick a bunch of field goals, where are the points coming from? You know, like where, what are you averaging 14, 15 carries a game and not scoring touchdowns? That's going to be really tough. And and he may be a really bland fantasy guy. Like, I don't think he's going to completely fall flat on his face like last year at the beginning of the season, but really bland. And if you're drafting an RB2, I think you could do better even just by waiting. There are guys who are going well after him who really could exceed his production. Cam Akers going as the 21st running back right now, 55 overall on fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can go check them out. Jeff Radcliffe, let's get back to your number two guy, potential bus in 2023. Who is it? Why is everybody out there trolling me? Seriously, guys, what is happening with this Calvin Ridley stuff? And it's it's escalated. It, it, originally, I, I, I was like, okay, he's at wide receiver 20 way back in like May, June. I'm like, that's no, yeah. a little too More high. than that, he was at 24 when it started. Something Jeff. like, what is he now? 17? What's his ADP right 18. now? 18. 18. 18 for a guy who hasn't played in a year and a half. Last time we saw him, did not play well as the number one. Julio Jones was out of the mix. Wait, but Matt Ryan, we can go back to your Matt Ryan argument if you want to do that. You did That's set fine. yourself he just up won't for that. Score I got to call you on it. He'll get volume, but he just won't okay. score touchdowns because right, Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan's kickers <laughs> were always awesome because they just flame out in the red zone. But ultimately, and, and I like Matt Ryan. He's a nice guy. But ultimately here, you have, yes, he's stepping into a great situation. 
But there's also a situation with Christian Kirk coming off a breakout year. Zay Jones, who? Coming off a breakout year. Evan Ingram, coming off a breakout year. Travis Etienne also can catch the ball out of the backfield. And the last time I checked, the Jags are still playing with one football, and, uh, and we're not going to see Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 700 times this year, especially when they invested in another early down runner in Tank Bigsby in this year's draft. So what is our outlook here? What is our maximum? I can see... Calvin Ridley potentially finishing his wide receiver 18, 17, 16, closer to his ceiling. But his floor is much lower than that as well. And I think that people are doing the Jim Carrey, dumb and dumber, put their fingers in their ear, la, 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 I can't hear you. I only remember 2021. I don't remember the rest of it all. I don't remember mm-hmm. anything else or beyond that, like back to his break, his big breakout year. I don't remember anything else. This is all I remember. And this is all that matters to me right now. And I just think that's a major mistake. Actually, it was it was 2020 was his breakout year, whatever. That's all they're remembering. That's all they're remembering. Yeah, and that's we fair. get this all the time. People gravitate gravitate mm-hmm. towards that name brand and then ignore everything else. And then you're gonna hear it in late October, early November. He just isn't getting it done. Ridley's screwing my team over. But meanwhile, we're you know the drafters are out there, the ones who are drafting him at his at his ceiling. I am ranked at 26 right now among wide receivers, which implies he does have the ceiling to go into wide receiver two territory, but I just can't draft him at that ceiling. Some food for thought on some big players who could be busts in 2023 from Jeff and Jim. Now on to some league winners with me, Debro, and of course the one, the only Mason Dodd from the fantasy flock. These are some names you just got to have in 2023. Nobody likes a tease. So why don't we just get with your next player on your list? Go ahead. Who do you have? Darren Waller, baby, been singing his praises all offseason, and I'm not going to stop now. Like, Darren Waller, all the talent has not gone anywhere. I get that people worry about the injury concerns, but injury bias and people getting burned in the last year or the last two years, it's the easiest data point or thing to sit here and fade in drafts, and we want to embrace risk. If you want first place, I know everybody watching this wants first place in their league. We're not playing for second. We're not playing for third, fourth, fifth, whatever. Darren Waller's the guy that's going to carry you to first place this year. He's one of a handful of tight ends, uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, that can threaten for 130 plus targets this season. And yet, I know that the ADP is screaming up right now. I get that. You could still get him in the fifth round of drafts. And for me, that's that's amazing. For a guy that could tr- like threaten Travis Kelsey for the tight end one overall this season, He's been going too late in drafts all year, and he's a massive league winner. All right, uh, one more question. Has it gone so much now? Because I see Darren Waller getting drafted sometimes now ahead of uh, George Kittle. I've seen him going ahead of Pitts. You're still on board with that? Like, that's not too much risk for you. Not to say that Kittle and Pitts are without their risk, but let's be honest. Waller at his age and Waller the last two seasons missing the amount of games he has. I understand wanting to be in the mix, but I feel like, you know, even at tight end, I want all the upside, but I don't want all of the risk at the same time. I feel like that's too much. You don't, though. I don't. And if you look at George Kittle, he's in my player to avoid article on Fantasy Pros. It's because if it, all the things that George Kittle did great last year, the touchdowns were an, touchdowns were an outlier. That's not mm-hmm. coming back. He's never scored more than six in a season. Kyle Pitts, we're looking at his preseason usage and he's a 60% route per dropback guy. Maybe that climbs higher, but does he get to 80%, 90%? We've seen what Arthur Smith wants to do. 
no, I'm going to invest in Darren Waller. And I know one player that you're, you hate the fact that he's getting drafted <laughs> over Joe. So I'm going to sit here and, and, and sneak this in the side door. If you say I'll over take Darren Hawkins, Waller. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nope. I'll take Darren Waller it. over TJ Hawkinson. Get out of my stream. It. It's out, Get out of my stream. I don't want you in this stream anymore. <laughs> <sighs> this is why we can't have nice things. People Waller was fun when he was tight end eight. It's less fun when he's tight end two. Uh, I'm tied into in my ranks all off season. Well, yeah. Everybody's just now catching up, Joe. Let's get back to Mason Dodd instead. <laughs> so I don't lose my mind completely on this show. Mason, give me another guy that could be a league winner in your opinion. If we are keeping at tight end, I'm going to go from everybody's favorite t- tight end to most likely everybody's most hated tight end. And that's going to be Kyle Pitts. N- nobody likes Kyle Pitts, right? Right. I, I know everybody's going to be rolling their eyes going, Mason, are we being serious? But there are a couple undeniable things when it comes to Pitts. One, we can all agree he was the best tight end prospect ever. Two, he was the best rookie tight end ever. I mean, he goes out there and at 21 years old, the only player to have more receiving yards on a per game basis at 21 is Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Juju, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, and Amari Cooper. Then we move on past that. And you look at Kyle Pitts last season, actually increasing his target share in this offense to 24% on a per game perspective. But the issue was the Atlanta Falcons had the second worst passing offense the NFL has seen over the past decade. So, yeah, of course, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, these guys scored zero points because it's going to be a team that runs the ball nonstop. But if I'm looking at Drake London right now going in round four, it kind of seems like people are saying, okay, well, with London, he's going to be able to overcome it. But with the tight end that is going to be comparable with his target share, still younger than Zay Flowers. Kyle Pitts is younger than Zay Flowers. I'm seeing him now be drafted after Zay Flowers and drafts. I'm seeing him go alongside wide receiver fours that I think he probably outscores this season. So even if it's the grossest thing ever, and I know everybody's going to hate to hear it, I think at this price where he's fallen over the past month, Kyle Pitts is now very appealing. I think he's very appealing. I agree with you, Mason Dodd. So to heck with all those haters. Don't listen to them. I think they're 100% wrong. I think Pitts is a huge value, especially in things like the Fantasy Bros Championship. Uh, that we got going on FFPC right now, where you're seeing this tight end market just go all over the place. And don't forget, there's still time to get involved in that too. Again, fantasybros.com slash championship. We're giving away a million dollar top prize, $6 million in prizes overall, not to mention free upgrades to betting pros and the fantasy pros as well. So sign up today and use that promo code fantasy pros. That way you get that discount to $25 off when you use that promo code fantasy pros and sign up again at fantasypros.com slash championship. All right, D bro back to you. Give me another league winner on the list. Who do you have? We're talking about the FFPC fantasy pros championship, a guy that has been screaming up the boards, much like Darren Waller. People are waking up to it and I'm going to chase it up the boards guys. James cook, baby league winner extraordinaire. He has the talent. He's in one of the best offenses in the NFL. And regardless of whatever we want to talk about it is him as a standalone talent. Him as a, in the offense that he's in. We want to be investing in good offenses in fantasy. And we know that the Bills are going to score a ton of points. Third in points per game. Sixth in red zone scoring attempts per game. James Cook, what he brings to the table is a dynamic three down skill set. I've said it all offseason and I'll say it again here. He is discount Jameer Gibbs. First in explosive run rate. 15th in yards of the contact per attempt. And top 12 in yards per route run. Everybody can focus on the Damian Harris goal line plunge all you want to from preseason. What I will focus on is the fact that James Cook was the guy on the rest of that drive. So if they're in 
one, two yard goal line dive situations. Josh Allen's going to take some of those. Damian Harris might take some of those. James Cook is also going to get some of that work. And one thing I could definitely tell you is Damian Harris is not running pass game routes over James Cook. Give me this league winning upside all day. I'm buying in too. I still am shocked, bro, that the James Cook stock hasn't risen higher than it is right now. Agreed. Uh, I, I think had he scored the touchdown on that drive and not oh. Damian Harris. And I know that sounds so ridiculous because it's one but moment. It's it's true. One, but it's absolutely true. It's mm-hmm. the perception of, oh, no, this is a microcosm of the entire season, which could be. But it doesn't mean it's going to be just because it happened in that one moment. Uh, And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I love it. And I'm actually grateful. Uh, In fact, I'm going to send Damian Harris a a nice edible (laughs) arrangement for falling in the end zone there and scoring that touchdown because it's it's kept the James Cook value low, lower than it should be. And I love it. And I keep getting him everywhere in drafts. And I love how you framed it too. the discount Jameer Gibbs. I always like doing that saying, look, if you like this player, chances are a few rounds later, there's somebody else that fits that bill you know every year we're looking at running backs and trying to find value and trying to weigh whether or not they can bounce back from injury or underperformance the year before so we had a great conversation andrew erickson and i with jennifer akins from four for four football so this is her take and his regarding some of these potential bounce back running back candidates Let's talk about Antonio Gibson. That's the first guy on this list. Jennifer, you're our guest, so you get to go first. Now, this is a backfield last year that saw Brian Robinson Jr. working in. This is a a team that has a new quarterback, Sam Howell. We'll see how that all goes. And this is a coach who is kind of on the hot seat right now, Ron Rivera. So everybody loves Ron Rivera. Great guy in the NFL, but this is kind of a make or break year. The most important thing, new offensive coordinators come to town, Eric Bieniemy. So do you think Eric Bieniemy can unlock Antonio Gibson, who is one of these guys perennially who starts out kind of slow, then gets hot, and then every year nobody knows know what to do with him. So are we in that same situation again in 2023? I hope so. I think Eric Bieniemy brings, definitely bring not definitely, but he brings, you know, more creative play calling, right? The hope here is that he deploys him in the Jarek McKinnon role that he used in Kansas City in prior years. So if that's the case, J.J. McKissick is gone, so he is the guy to get that passing work. And I think Eric Eric Bieniemy is the key to kind of unlock that. Antonio Gibson last year was RB35 in half PPR points per game. I think that's, you know, his floor. I think he's in a good spot. I think he's an RB2 with upside. So I think he's he's getting value. And, you know, like you said, hopefully it might be the kind of situation where he does come on later. But if he does, he does. And that's a gr- that's great for fantasy down the stretch. Is this a situation too, Jennifer, for you where you're looking at more of the PPR formats for Gibson, or do you think even half or standard, he has value in your opinion? Um, I think across the board, he has value, but I think he has more value in anything that rewards receptions. Yeah. Uh, Erickson, I want to get your take on Gibson here because I think this is one of those backfields or maybe even in, in the bigger grand scheme of things here. One of these offenses that I think people just have enormous questions about. And I think it's one that people are saying they don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I want to get me some shares of that Washington Commanders offense because that thing is really hot. I don't think that's the case. Now, maybe that's going to be wrong at the end of the day. But in your opinion, when you're looking at Gibson and what he could possibly do this year, we know that he can catch the football. We know that's a skill that really we haven't seen them tap into 100 percent at the NFL level. Do you think he becomes, quote unquote, the guy or do you think there's enough Brian Robinson Jr. where it starts to potentially hurt his value as the season goes on. 
Well, I think right now when both guys are healthy, him and Brian Robinson, you're, it's going to be a 50-50 split, and it's going to be game script dependent, where when they're trailing in games, you're going to see more of Antonio Gibson. And when you look at the commander's schedule, based on forecasted Vegas win totals, they have the hardest schedule in the NFL. So, or up there with the New England Patriots. So I for I am foreseeing Antonio Gibson just playing more than Brian Robinson because the commanders are just losing a bunch of games. So naturally mm-hmm. that screams for Gibson's skill set to be used more. And I think Gibson just has such a higher ceiling if something were to happen to Brian Robinson because we've seen Antonio Gibson handle a 300-touch workload. He's one of just 12 running backs over the past three seasons to have a season with at least 300 touches. Like, he's a big running back that has just been... I mean, his roles in the in the NFL have been varied. Like, sometimes he's used as a grinder back, and then they're going to use him as a receiver. Like, he's been compared to, compared to Christian McCaffrey. So, like, they're... But at the end of the day, I just know that he has a three-down skill set. So if the commanders were ever to be like, you know what? We're sick of Brian Robinson and a cloud of dust. We want to give Gibson all the touches. He's going to be a fantasy RB1. And the fact that you can just draft him as an RB3 right now, you're going to get the pass catching for sure. And that's going to give you value from where you draft him. But I think his ceiling is so high, especially where we, we were drafting this guy at times of like the second round in past years. And what has really changed? Okay, Brian Robinson's there. Brian Robinson, third round pick. Like, is that really going to get me off? Antonio Gibson? No way. Uh, fun fact here, too. I don't even think I realize it. 2020, he was RB12 in PPR. 2021, he was RB12 in PPR. I know last year, as Jen was saying, he fell off down to the t- mid-20s. There's 26 in PPR. Jen, do you think that people just don't even realize that? Do you think that's one of those things where if you if you <laughs> you put it out there in a trivia question to people that even the most diehard fantasy football fans would probably get that question wrong? Yeah. I mean, recency bias is real all over the place. And people just think, yeah, they just remember last year. They don't remember what he did in, in his rookie season in the next. So, yeah, absolutely. Erickson, who shakes out next on your list at number three for bounce back running backs in 2023? It's got to be Cam Akers for the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. We all remember what happened week one last year. Cam Akers was on the bench and it was Daryl Henderson starting and we were tilting our faces off based on, I mean, I was an Akers <laughs> supporter last year and I'm like, People are blowing me up. I'm like, dude, like, what happened to Akers? I'm like, guys, I don't know. He's just not playing. And Nobody the coach knew. hates him. So what's going on? And so, again, the shaky start last year, he was a bust. And then during the final six weeks, the Rams had no one else to turn to because all their players were hurt. They had no offensive line. And Sean McVay was like, you know what? Let's get the ball to Cam Akers. Let's get him back in here. So he was the <laughs> RB4 in the final six weeks of the year. Uh, led the NFL in rushing yards, sixth in points per game, fifth in snap share, 14th in expected fantasy points per game, and half point PPR scoring. So, look, this Sean McVay has shown at times that he loves Cam Akers. Like, he's giving him massive workloads, n- talking 90, 95% snap shares, where no other running back is even sniffing the field. So, for now, it's really just between him and Kyron Williams in this backfield. And I just think that Akers is the better running back. Like, I, I have not been enthralled with what I've seen with Kyron Williams over the past year when he did get chances to play. And when I've seen Cam Akers be a total bell cow for the Rams. So the fact that there's still, like, not a lot of competition in this backfield, that Stafford is back, you have Cooper Cup back, those guys are healthy. I think this Rams office can at least be average and take a step forward from where they were last year, making Cam Akers that post-type sleeper that I honestly like targeting in that round 5-6 range where I think there's a lot of decent running back values. Akers had one of the strangest seasons, I think, ever that I recall in a running back, especially one that we had some sort of expectations for. I think even if you get mild expectations for Cam Akers, like you maybe didn't love him, but you thought, okay, this will be the guy. And week one, I think, set everybody just ablaze. And then it got so weird. They tried to trade him. They tried to let him go. They sat him because they were going to trade him. And then Sean McVay went, well, you're the only guy I have left. I might as well play you. And then now it's a love fest. Now you read all these clippings, Jen. 
about Cam Akers and all the Sean McVay hype and all these things. I hate it, but I've bought back into it because the value has been so good. He's one of these guys we keep talking about every show, these sweet spot of running back being in this rounds five through seven. There's these guys who are floating around there that all have upside and Akers is one of those dudes. Are you buying back into Cam Akers in 23? Uh, it's hard for me to. I mean, like you, it's, I just... I don't see the real, it just seems strange to me, right? That they're, they're oh, not into him. They're not. And then all of a sudden I just, I, I don't know if I buy it. Like, how do you sit, you know, your supposed starter and then the whole season, I don't know, like you said, try to trade him that all of a sudden that they've realized he's good and he's their guy. I think it's really well, strange. The fact that they didn't draft anybody else make you feel right. better. Like it, that's the thing. Like they didn't really go out there and go, well, we're going to bring some competition because it really is none. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, yeah, like you, like both of you have said, I mean, his, his ADP, he's not expensive, so it's, it's easy to buy back in, um, but mentally it's difficult to buy back in. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Although sure, when he got uh, kicked out of practice, like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh no, not this again. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah. Did you talk, did you call up your therapist to go and sit and have a little cam maker session after that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'll talk on the couch. All right, Erickson, who is your number one bounce back RB for 2023? It's Joe Mixon for the Cincinnati Bengals, because if you owned him last year on any of your teams, it was not a fun ride unless you started in week nine, because basically he had that <laughs> giant game and was pretty underwhelming throughout. He finished as an RB1 in just 21% of his games, three top 12 finishes. That was less than A.J. Dillon, Cordell Patterson, and Deontay Foreman. But when you look at the situation that he's in, he is the starting running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, who are a top five offense. He finished third in expected fantasy points per game last year behind only Austin Eckler McCaffrey. He's top five in terms of goal line carries. He gets targeted on early downs. He was eighth in fantasy points per game. Like, I, I get that he people look at Mixon and be like, oh, you know, he's old, he's dusty. But it's like, he's only 27 years old. Like, I, I don't think that he just, like, hit this massive cliff. I think he ran a little bit bad at times last year. The offensive line was new. They had newer pieces. Things were starting to gel. And it's just, I'm looking up, and, like, he's RB15 and ADP, and he plays on the Bengals still, and it's Chase Brown and Chris Evans and... They got rid of P. Ryan and Travian Williams is already hurt. So I'm just looking at him like, look, he took a pay cut to stay with his team. Like they clearly don't value him super highly, but at the same time, the Raiders didn't value Jacob Josh Jacobs highly last year either. And they ran him to the ground. Like this is going to be Joe Mixon's last year, potentially on a Super Bowl winning team. So for me, I think Joe Mixon has RB 15. If he was going around two, I, I would be shying away. But in round four for the starting running back for the Bengals, I, I can swallow my pride and draft a quote-unquote dusty running back that uh, can score 15 <laughs> touchdowns. Let's take a quick break in the action to tell everybody again about Draft Assistant. Real-time expert advice. As you draft, you can receive immediate recommendations for every pick on Draft Wizard, but you have to sync your leagues. And it's hassle-free to do that. All the tools sync with all of your league drafts, crossing players off your cheat sheets automatically. And you get exclusive insights for MVP and Hall of Fame subscribers that'll predict player availability odds for your next turn and stay alert with bye weeks, handcuffs, and ADP notifications. Visit now and dive into smarter, better drafting at fantasypros.com assistant or download the Fantasy Football Draft Wizard app on the App Store or Google Play. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Remember, if you want to go dive deep into the entire Fantasy Fest, it's all available for you to rewatch. Over on our YouTube channel, Fantasy Pros. Again, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Subscribe today. Click the bell to look goes ding. And we also decided to have some real sit-down conversations regarding some rankings. First, it was the running backs with Ryan Warmly hosting Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Muzio. So here's their take on some of the controversial players in their rankings at RB. Let's move on to tier number four. It's a bigger one. Uh, then pretty much the rest of the way through every tier is, is a lot more sizable. Here we go from RB 16 to RB 24. And I'll just quickly run through Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, Damian Pierce, JK Dobbins, Cam Akers, James Connor, and Rashad White. Again, quickly, that's Hall, Walker, Sanders, Madison, Pierce, Dobbins, Akers, Connor, and White. So it's a lot of names there. Billy, do any of those stick out to you as too low or too high? Uh, no, I think this is uh, another tier that's probably priced appropriately. The only name that's missing from this tier that I have uh, mixed in the middle of all those guys is going to be David Montgomery. Um, but of that tier, I like Kenneth Walker the best. Rashad White probably next in line there with the amount of targets he's going to see. Um, but I think this is appropriately a priced tier, um, and I really like the the outlook. Um, a few guys that I'm I, the reason why I'm higher on, of course, White. I talked about was the the, the targets. Um, last year we saw him as the RB twelve in total targets, fifty eight as a rookie. Um, we do know that Tom Brady is gone, and, and we're not going to see seven hundred passing attempts this season. But uh, it's a pretty consolidated target tree between uh, White, Kate Otten, uh, Evans, and Godwin. And so I think that we can see another uh, high target share opportunity for Rashad White here in 2023. Yeah, Pat, 
Rashad White is somebody that I just haven't been able to quite get there with, but I've done so many shows at this point this summer with analysts who are like, no, you're wrong. You should be excited about White this year that I should probably just change my opinion at this point. What do you make of White, Fitz? Well, we've still got Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette uh, lurking as possible free agents who could dampen our enthusiasm a little bit. But um, I'm I'm pretty enthusiastic about White. I mean, we he, he sort of proved himself as a pass catcher last year. Um, just like I think he can be a three down back. He has a three down skill set. And uh, the Buccaneers don't seem to like a lot of other NFL teams don't seem to want to make a big investment at the running back position. So um like he's got a clear runway right now. That's the exciting part of it. He's going to get a big workload as things now stand. If we're sitting here in October and Brees Hall has shaken off the rust and looks injury free, what tier will he be in on a weekly basis, Billy? Because it won't be tier four. Yeah, Brees Hall is one of the most trickier players to project because he has the skill set of tier one quite frankly. And if he didn't have the ACL injury, um, one, I don't think they signed Cook. Two, we're probably talking about him inside of the top of this tier one. That's how good Brees Hall is. The downside is, of course, we know he did have the ACL injury and they brought in competition uh, for, for touches. That being said, he's still very dynamic and he is you know, exceptional with the ball in his hands. Uh, I think that it would be a fool's errand to, to not consider him um, second half of the season as you know, tier one, tier two. Um, he's the player that I don't want to beat me, right? And like when we look at drafts and we're drafting players, I will pass up players. And my logic is I'm, I'm going to make this player beat me. And there's few players that I say that about every year. Brees Hall is not one of those players just because I am scared about what he could do when healthy down the stretch. And if I don't take enough of him inside of my roster construction and building out a portfolio of enough shares of Brees Hall, I would be scared inside the shootout, not having him inside that portfolio. Fitz, another running back in this tier that's similar. He didn't have the injury last year, but J.K. Dobbins has never quite gotten back to that full health. Again, in last week's episode, we did talk about how he is a player to avoid for Billy. What do you make of Dobbins, Fitz? Because I, I, you know, I'm a Ravens fan, but even aside from that, I've just been super excited, you know, from a non-homer perspective about the addition of Todd Munkin and the fact that Lamar is back and the fact that I think this is the best offensive line we've seen of the Lamar era since that 2019 special season that Dobbins is the unquestioned RB1. There's a lot of stuff to like here, but he did look awkward running the ball. I mean, he's like kind of that straight leg, even on some of his breakaways, despite the fact that the numbers were pretty good to end last season. So taking all that into consideration, Fitz, what do you think about Dobbins where he's priced right now at RB21? I do not have him in this tier. I've got him uh, a tier below. And um, yes, like the, the direction of the offense is exciting, but um, I'm just not getting good vibes on Dobbins. There was the uh, the appearance on the pup list. There was his um, weird sort of quasi holdout this year, even though he really hasn't put together one great season yet and, and wants more money. Um, so, yeah, and there's just he doesn't catch passes um, like we could see. Gus Edwards again, like taking over and large. I don't know if Melvin Gordon is completely shot yet. Keaton Mitchell has looked pretty good. So like maybe he doesn't really have this backfield to himself. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about him. Like I'm really not getting him in any of my drafts. I don't want to move on from the tier without diving a little more into some of these other guys. I know Billy said that Walker is his favorite. We talked about Hall. There's guys like Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, Damian Pierce, Cam Akers. It feels to me like these guys are going to determine a lot of fantasy leagues. You're going to be taking them early enough that they need to be contributors on your team. 
And we're not 100% sure that they will be. So of those guys, Sanders, Madison, Pierce, and Akers, we'll say of those four, which of those guys do you think is the best chance of being, maybe we don't put the phrase league winner on it, but a guy that really has a positive impact on your league. And which of those guys are you least confident in and pretty much avoiding in most drafts, Billy? Alexander Madison is the one that's been hardest for me to get the pulse of because I could see a scenario where he might even be undervalued based upon his costs and drafts. Um, also based upon the competition for targets that he has behind him, right? He only has Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride. He's got Kenny Nwangu. So there's not a lot of, of touch competition here. And we know that he's also a, a, a decent pass catcher as well. Um, and we could see an uptick in, in targets for him as, as a lead back with Dalvin Cook no longer in town. That being said, um, this could be a scenario where it's just kind of fool's gold. And, and now they mix in a hot hand approach and we see, maybe we do see some more Ty Chandler. Maybe we do see some Dwayne McBride ride towards the tail end of the season as they want to get the rookie some looks. And so this is one of the players that I find myself constantly adjusting inside of my rankings and projections based upon news and what we see inside of, of camp from beat writers or maybe even preseason snaps. And so it's one of the things that I think is either going to win leagues or lose leagues based upon the selection of Alexander Madison. Putting you on the spot here, Fitz, rank those four guys, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, Damian Pierce, and Cam Akers. Akers, White. Excuse me, Akers, Pierce, White, um, Madison. And I, I have the same concerns about Madison. It feels like Madison could be the 2023 version of 2021 Mike Davis. Exactly. Where he's this career <laughs> backup who, why are we drafting this guy in the fifth round? Oh, because he's the lead running back. Well, maybe he is. I mean, maybe we see uh, Wang Wu like come off the, the pop and, and like start uh, doing great and like carving into that Ty Chandler. Um there are other alternatives here, and I know with Mike Davis, he was a career backup because he was backup caliber. And uh, Madison, it's different. He's been stuck behind Dalvin Cook, you know, and he wasn't going to beat Cook on the merits. So, um, you know, I might be selling him short. It's entirely possible. And I love Akers from this group. I mean, like, we saw what he did. He was the running back for, I think, over, like, his last six games of the season. And just once he sort of um, ended that weird estrangement from the team, uh, you know, obviously things went really poorly for him and his uh, investors in the first part of the season. But, man, towards the end, it was everything we were kind of or everything I was expecting uh, last year in the preseason. So, um, like, he's kind of a big role, doesn't have a lot of competition for the Rams. I'm pretty enthusiastic about him. I think he should be a tier higher. I will not blame anybody who's just feels burned by the first half of last year and doesn't want to go back to the cam maker as well. But you're right. The signs for, you know, all the upside is there. Before we continue on with more best of the fantasy football fest, we want to let you know about a whole new fantasy pros premium offer for free. Head over to fantasypros.com slash sleeper. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash sleeper to find out if you're eligible. And if you're eligible, then claiming this offer is easy. Just download the Sleeper mobile app, click on the wallet icon, enter the promo code FPSUB, that's F-P-S-U-B, and deposit $20 and you'll get a free one-month subscription. Making picks in the app with your deposit gets you 11 additional premium months for free. That's right, I said for free. This is the easiest and best way to gain instant access to $108 worth of expert advice, advanced tools, and exclusive analysis. So act now, head over to fantasypros.com sleeper, take advantage of this offer because you deserve it. 
Switching gears from the running back position to the wide receiver rankings and tiers, I got to have a great sit down with the newest member of our Fantasy Pros team, Sam Hoppen, and football guys own Alfredo Brown, talking about their wide receiver rankings and how they compare to ECR, so let's check it out. The rest of this tier is Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup, and I know a lot of people are ready to just go right back into the Cooper Cup business after last year, and that's fine. Like, it's fine, <laughs> like Ross from Friends kind of fine. But to me, I'm looking at it, Alfredo, and I'm thinking to myself, look, Tyreek Hill got 170 targets last year. Like Tyreek Hill is in a situation right now where I kind of want to go back to that well. That's the well that I feel is more potentially durable, despite the fact that maybe Cooper Cup in some PPR formats, you're thinking in your head, look, look what he did a couple years ago. But I don't think that is attainable again, not with Stafford's health, not with the volatility that could be there between both of their healths. I think Hill is the safer of those two investments at the top. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, well, pay no attention to the Miami Dolphins heim- uh, helmet behind I, me, I know. please. Man. I know. I know <laughs> it's I a loaded this. question for Miami, man, but still, you know, you know what? I- I've, I've gone back and forth on this, honestly. And I think now I'm starting to lean more and more towards Tyreek Hill uh, simply because like we, I mean, there's not going to really be that big of a difference between cup and Hill being the top targets on their offense. But it's like you said, you're not only hoping that cup who is now on the wrong side of 30 and dealing with another injury He's got to make sure that, or he's got to hope that Matthew Stafford's going to be healthy as right. well. And that team could just be really, really bad this year. Like we really don't know much about the, the Rams. Whereas the Dolphins, we know the identity of this team. Like they're not, they're still not really going to be focusing on running the ball that much. Their idea is going to be get that ball into Tyreek Hill's hands as many times as possible. We're fine with them having Waddle and Hill because each of these guys still get the massive target share. And when you go back and you look at the fantasy points per game, Tyreek Hill was not that far off of Justin Jefferson. So if we're looking at maybe a full season of healthy Tua and a couple of maybe more boom games, Tyreek might have actually finished as the wide receiver one in fantasy. And this would have been a totally different conversation. I can hear the people on YouTube screaming at me right now. But what about Tua's concussions? You know, why, why is why is all of a sudden one guy, you know, quarterback health proof, but the other is not. I guess, Sam, my thing is, like, I saw Mike White play for the Jets. Mike White's all right. He can get you by, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Stetson Bennett yet in the NFL. And, and look, <laughs> Stetson Bennett maybe doesn't get enough credit for what he did at Georgia. And, I, and I've and i actually defended him more than I'd like to say that I have over <laughs> the past two years at times. Because, you know, when you go out there and you keep winning national championships, I think it matters. And But at the same time for you, is it is it Cooper Cup? Is it Tyreek Hill when you're looking after Chase and Jefferson off the board and you want to go wide receiver in the top five? <sighs> In my head over the last three minutes, I've gone back and forth about six times. (laughs) (laughs) And it's tough because at at this part of the draft, you're you're picking nits, right? Like you're you're finding the the smallest things to to plug holes into these these profiles. And I'm gonna go with Tyreek Hill. I've had him above cup all offseason. Obviously, Cooper Cup is back practicing uh, after the hamstring injury he suffered earlier this off season. But if that thing lingers at all, like that could be a cause for him to potentially miss games again, Matthew Stafford and Tua's health, I think are probably about even in uh, the potential for them to get hurt. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford, I think this off season, it's there. I think there might've been reports that he was considering retirement. Like if that's a thing, there's a chance that I think the Rams you know, six weeks into the season, just have a fire sale and and get rid of a lot of these players. So if Cooper Cup changes teams, what does that do for his potential value? And again, Miami is 
is such a highly concentrated passing attack between Hill and Jalen Waddle. It's going to be those two guys every single mm-hmm. week, unless one of them gets hurt. Like there's the floor is about as high for those guys as Chase and Jefferson, I think. Yeah. The, the tough part for me is, you know, we're looking at the ADP and you're going to be in some drafts, everybody where, you know, they'll be running back heavy first round still. And if you can get Cooper Cup, I think at eight, nine, 10, somewhere in that range, if he falls there, that's great. That's yeah. the great value where Cooper yeah. Cup is. It's that top five to me where I still go, oh, I just don't know if I can get there. Like, I'd rather have Hill. There's a part of me that considers Kelsey. Everybody knows I'm a Bijan fanatic, but let's get to that tier two here and talk about this next group here. This group has Stefan Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Garrett Wilson. This is a really good group. Now, this is, you know, for the heavy wide receiver build guy, me. I'm living in this group. Uh, typically, it's A.J. Brown. I was just at the turn in a CBS draft. I was just talking about uh, with the experts league there where at the turn, I took A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, no matter what Jeff Radcliffe tells you on the show about his worries about C.D. Lamb. Uh, but <laughs> we're talking about uh, I can't remember if it's him or Sanis. One of the two of them is not on it. But, you know, you'll see. But here you go. So A.J. Brown is my target in this group. Sam if you have to pick one of these guys who are kind of in this cluster here in tier two, who is your target guy and why? For me, it's Amon Ra St. Brown. Jamison Williams is going to start the season suspended for the first six weeks. And then, you know, it might take another couple of weeks for him to get readjusted into the offense. And outside of that, like who, who is catching balls for the Detroit Lions? Obviously, Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta getting a lot of run this offseason, but they're both rookies who, again, we don't know how how they're going to perform in their first year. And and last year, St. Brown had an elite 2.44 yards per out run. He averaged 5.1 yards after catch per reception. He only ran a route on 78% of the team's dropbacks. So there is room for him to improve and get closer to that 85 or 90% range. And finally, he had a, a 0.32 targets per route run rate, which was second only behind Tyreek Hill last year among players with 50 plus targets. So they are force feeding him the ball in, in any way imaginable. I think he offers a ceiling because I, I also don't, expect the Lions defense to be that much better than it was last year. They obviously added a couple decent pieces uh, in the secondary there, but I think they're going to be passing the ball a ton. And Amon Ra is, is the guy for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, that first six weeks really stands out. He could be leading the league in targets and receptions by the time we look up there. And it might be hard to catch him at that point. Alfredo, in this cluster, who's your target guy? And also, let's throw in there, who's the guy that you're fading in this group, too? So I'll make it really easy for my target guy. It's Amonra St. Brown. I mean, Same. I think this is a stat copy that's paste. Been, yeah, <laughs> copy paste, man. Like it's he's uh, and I'm looking at it right now is that he's tied for the most receptions in the first two seasons of any wide receivers career. Like it's, <laughs> it's hard to argue with that kind of volume. And like Sam said, the defense is not getting any better. Jameson Williams is going to be missing. And I don't know how much the two rookies are really going to you, you eat away at what Amonra St. Brown was getting. We already saw players of the same caliber last year. So I'm good with Amonra there. And I think I might even take him as high as my wide receiver seven or six in some cases. Um, the guy, and I'm so sorry to do this to you, Joe, the guy that I'm fading no, here that's fine. Uh, at price is going to be AJ Brown. 
Uh, and you know what? This this burned me last year because last year I said for AJ Brown to pay off on his average draft position, he's going to have to have career highs in yardage, touchdowns, targets, everything. And of check, course he did that. Check, like he check. He, he did all of that. And so like I'm I'm willing to go back to the well here again and say like all right for him to pay off on this ADP, he's going to have to beat everything he did last year. I just. I don't know that if we do get a healthy Devontae Smith, a healthy Dallas Goddard, a newly added DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell is apparently the running back one in Philly. I don't know. Uh, I, I do think it might be hard for A.J. Brown to beat everything he did last year and earn this wide receiver seven or wide receiver six ADP in some drafts. You want to hear a depressing story? I'm on Ross St. Brown's rookie season. I drafted him everywhere with my last pick everywhere. Oh, no. And this is the depressing part is like, I, I, and we have, look, this is always the fun thing about, you know, you guys have known this, you're in the business. You have the tape of proving whether you're right or wrong all the time about stuff. And I had him everywhere and I was drafting him in all the shows and saying, I'm on Ross St. Brown. I'm telling you guys, watch him in college. I'm telling you, it's a really good situation for him, all this stuff. And after six weeks, I had to cut bait because it just wasn't happening. And I needed, you know, the buys were killing me, all this stuff, injuries. Like you got to make moves. You got to stay competitive. And then the rest is history. Like it was just miserable. Ugh. Like, and I tried to pick him back up in all those leagues. And I think in the four that I had him in, I only got him back in one because everybody, I just got outbid. It's just miserable. Just absolutely you've made miserable. Me, you've made me sad now. I don't like this. We talked about value earlier in the show in a positive way. So let's flip the script a little bit here with Yahoo's own Scott Pianowski and the man behind the guillotine league himself, Paul Charchian. Ryan warmly sat down to discuss some of the absolute worst draft day values that you should think twice about before your draft. We've looked Detroit. We've seen this story before, right? Uh, exciting slasher between the twenties. Somebody paid to score all the short touchdowns last year. The names are different this year. It's Montgomery and Gibbs who are going to do that. I don't see that. Obviously the offensive coordinator hasn't changed. We know the offensive line is a plus five unit and Jared Goff is a guy. If you protect him, he's actually pretty competent at quarterback, but I think we're going to see people would always bellyache. Why don't the lions like Deandre Swift? Why is he getting more touches? And I realize the, previous um regime drafted swift so that was part of it but i think it's going to be a, a timeshare where it's like oh what a great drive by gibbs and here's david montgomery coming in to score the two-yard touchdown i just think his apps his upside is capped as a first round pick and should running backs even go in the first round unless there'd be john robinson i think probably not i just don't see how in, unless montgomery gets hurt and even montgomery gets hurt gibbs is just too small to handle a, a bell cow workload i think he would be spelled by somebody else anyway so I, I'm seeing a capped upside for a guy who goes at a range where I want to dream of a high upside. I want to think this guy could be a top five running back. I don't think it's a reasonable range of outcomes for Gibbs as a rookie. Can yes. I can I jump can I do, jump in on that for just a second? Is there is there anybody here? And I'm looking. I just pulled up the uh, the Fantasy Pros uh, PPR ADP. Is there anybody here that would take Gibbs at 14 over Montgomery as RB 31? Not and me. To me, it's Montgomery every day. Yeah. This is another part of my fantasy ethos is that a lot of times, and we'll get to it in Washington in a second with the receivers, where if you see the second player on the depth chart or the fantasy depth chart is much more appealing to you at ADP, I want to wait around. Another problem with drafting Gibbs is that I would never want to draft Montgomery. It wouldn't make sense from the roster build. So Montgomery's screaming value is another reason not to draft Gibbs. Yeah, I wanted to get just quickly get your opinion in general on rookies, Scott, because Gibbs is the only rookie we're talking about. I know you are tend to be more of the like safer, maybe more conservative drafter in terms of like, you know, you want to see it from these guys first. John Robinson, different scenario, obviously generational prospect. Yeah. But in general, do you find yourself usually not taking these rookies this season? It's case by case. I don't think it's as good of a receiver class as some of the other recent classes that we've seen. 
And I've tried to, in the last five or 10 years, I've really tried to skew younger. A lot of my fantasy baseball ethos was these boring veterans, the Raul Bunyas, all-stars. You guys were really good when they're 32 or 33. <laughs> when you're 32 or 33 in the NFL, unless you're a quarterback or Travis Kelsey, you're basically a dinosaur. You may not even be in the league anymore. I'm at the point now where even a running back at age 28 or 29 gets me nervous. So I am trying to skew younger. I don't think this rookie class maybe matches up to some of the last, we've been spoiled. There's been some unbelievable rookies thinking Paul saw how great Jefferson was as a rookie. And of course, Randy Moss in 1998, what a go to the moon season that was. We saw the 2014 season, the rookie receivers changed pretty much what was acceptable because I was not drafting these guys for such a long time, but I'm trying to skew younger. I just don't think this is the greatest rookie class. They're good. It's a, it's a okay class. Like I'd give it a C plus, but I think we're going to get more help on our fantasy teams from first year players next season. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when I was in high school, first playing fantasy and reading like third year wide receivers, the breakout. And right. now ever since that 2014, yes. class, just not yeah. what you can wait on anymore. Uh, Paul, let's go to you for your next player here. All right. My next player up um, again. Good player, but not taking him at round four wide receiver 17, I believe. I'll double check that. Uh, Debo Samuel. Highlight machine. Amazing athlete skill set. Really no other receiver in the league has got. But the average depth of target, so absurdly low. Dead last among wide receivers, 4.3 yards. And his share of the team's air yards is 11%. Man, that is a huge metric that translates directly into fantasy output. You know, the guys, you know, the great receivers, Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, their percentage of air yards is like 40%, more than 40%, 45%. DJ Samuels is 11%. You have to be unbelievably special to turn these four-yard catches into fantasy gold. And sure, PPR helps, and we're going to get a point on every one of those. But at the end of the day, I need downfield passing in the fourth round. I need somebody who can get under, cradle a ball on a deep pass. And that's just not how they've ever used Debo Samuel. And I don't think that's going to change. And so I'm out on Debo Samuel where he's going right now. Uh, wide receiver, as I'm looking here, fantasy pros, PPR, wide receiver 16. Paul, I, I know you also fade. Uh, your next fade is George Kittle. We're trying to maybe skip a little time here uh, to get everything in in the 30 minutes. Is any of your Samuel fade tied to Kittle? And I also want to point out with Debo, I think if you draft him, you need him to get a lot of rushing production. And that's something I never yeah. want to bet on with a runner. I know Debo a couple of years ago broke the game with running, but that's something I'm uncomfortable needing that from one of my priority picks. That's such a great point, Scott. And that really is, I mean, and, you know, now that they've got, you know, now that we have effectively two good running backs there, you get the feeling that Debo was sort of pressed into that role a couple of years ago. Yeah. We didn't see it last year. So, yeah, I I don't think that's just, I don't think it's sustainable or reliable. Scott, you read my mind on jumping ahead to Kittle, so I appreciate right. you doing that. Well, I, I want to just actually jump right into your next player then too, mm-hmm. Scott, because Terry McLaurin also dealing with injury questions after suffering the toe injury, you know, in the game against the Ravens. So is he somebody that is also very largely injury driven or you also referenced earlier having that second player lower in ADP that you like better in this case, Jahan Dotson, is that kind of weighing in more than the injury? It's, it's more about Dotson. I think Dotson McLaurin, I'm not sure who the best receiver is here, right? I mean, look, Ohio State has given us so many great receivers to the point that Jameson Williams had to leave Ohio State to get playing time at Alabama. <laughs> right. Think about that. <laughs> you're going to have a ball with Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. in a year or two. But, you know, Olave and Wilson and all these great guys. And McLaurin, obviously, terrific player. But I think Dotson has a better touchdown profile. And it was one of the reasons you love drafting early is you were getting Dotson four or five rounds after McLaurin yeah. earlier this year. That's gone now. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't even be unheard of now for Dotson to go ahead of McLaurin, but I'm not me. sure. That's yeah. me. I'm that yeah. guy. He's yep. You know, I, I, it's killing me. I've written so much about Dotson that I know in my home leagues that are going to come, people are just going <laughs> to 
they're going to bring up his name and look right at me. And, yeah. and I know what they're doing. So I'm glad I already have a lot of dots and shares because I may be locked out when the price gets a little bit silly. But I think he's their best receiver. And the fact that, you know, turf toe too with McLaurin, that we know that's an injury that, that could bother you for the rest of the season. So uh, don't draft Terry McLaurin in part because you want to draft Jahan Dotson. And if you need to jump around on Dotson or maybe elbow somebody in a salary cap league, I will sign off on that as well. Uh, Paul, we've already talked about one quarterback here. Let's get to the other guy we want to talk about. And it's a guy that has a pretty wide range of outcomes this season, if you ask me. Yeah, see, I don't think so. I, I think Deshaun Watson's upper end isn't nearly where he's being drafted. Quarterback nine off the board to me. This is the player early, early on. I was saying, you know, guys we like, but we, you know, many cases, guys we like, but you know, we we can't justify their ADP. I don't want anything to do. I don't like him. I think there's so much wrong with Deshaun Watson here. The fact that he's he's quarterback nine to me is staggering. There is not enough value baked into that ADP to offset the troubling six games that he played for Cleveland last year when he, he did nothing the, the whole year away from the game. Yeah, it was a Deshaun Watson was a great fantasy producer in 2018, 2019, 2020. That is a long time ago. This is his seventh year. What if Deshaun Watson's not a runner anymore? He only averaged four designed runs per game under Kevin Stefanski, who has no history of working with a, a mobile running quarterback, using a quarterback that way, optimizing a quarterback that way. And if Deshaun Watson's not going to be the running threat he was back in his heyday, and all I get is his arm, I got Derek Carr. I got a guy who's throwing for 26 touchdowns a season. I can find that at the 7-Eleven. I don't need that in the night. I don't need that from quarterback nine. This is somebody I can get. I can get those numbers much, much later. To add in the fact that his preseason, uh, by all accounts, training camp has not looked good. I, there's just so many reasons to avoid Deshaun Watson for me. Not, not touching him anywhere near quarterback nine. Yeah, Scott, I definitely want to get your opinion on Watson here, too. And this is a guy that we've talked about basically all summer, you know, with the Fantasy Pros analysts. And something that they've said a lot has been, you know, elite players don't forget how to be elite. But I, there are a lot of question marks. I, I'm a little more, I guess, optimistic on the high end possibility of the ceiling season here from Deshaun than it sounds like Paul is. But I am very nervous about that actually you know coming to fruition what do you make of him uh you know for for this season specifically scott yeah a, a big thing is what do you take from the preseason and when teams are continuity teams i really don't care that much patrick mahomes whatever he did wouldn't affect me as long as he wasn't hurt i wanted to see something from denver this summer i wanted to see something from cleveland this summer and i didn't see it i saw again i talk what what matters when teams speak when they give you all the happy news i kind of filter that a little bit when they tell you something bad like the John Watson hasn't played well this summer I take that to heart mm-hmm. he and he's being drafted like he's already made a comeback and that makes me very nervous and now yeah. I think fading Watson again I, I don't I think the quarterback's deep I think you're going to find quarterbacks you really feel good about so don't talk yourself into quarterback you don't have to the, the bunch of guys you want to draft anyway draft those guys and also Amari Cooper's good can he drag you to greatness? I mean, whatever you think of Kirk Cousins, I know this. Sometimes he's going to throw a slam pass at Justin Jefferson. Jefferson's going to house it. I, I want my – if I'm not sold on the quarterback, I get to at least feel like – I don't know how good Geno Smith really is. I, I do think he's actually kind of underrated. But he's going to get dragged by Metcalf and Lockett and JSN. I don't feel the same way about Cleveland's support cast, even though I do love Nick Chubb. And I think he could catch 50 passes if they'd sign off on that. They never seem to. Fantastic stuff there from those fellas. And to close things out here – the one thing in fantasy that I've always been preaching the last few years is finding players that can jump a tier. You want to find the guys that can go from wide receiver fours to threes, wide receiver threes to twos, and maybe even twos to ones. But we decided to do a deep dive here with Justin Boone from the score and our own Tara Roberts. 
to discuss some wide receiver threes who have the chance to not only jump to wide receiver twos, but maybe even wide receiver ones. This was a really fun conversation, so check it out. Here are some wide receiver threes that could truly break out in 2023. All right, let's get to one of your guys here. Who's a wide receiver three that has the possibility to end up as a wide receiver one boon in 23? I'm going with Brandon Ayuk and anybody that follows my content. You love the Brandon Ayuk, baby. Yeah, anybody that follows my content, listens to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast, they know how much I love them. Uh, incredible talent, you know, has that first round draft capital from a few years ago. But even when you just look at what he's done, I mean, wide receiver 15 and fantasy points per game as a rookie in 2020. And there were some injuries in the offense that cleared things up. But there's also a few guys in that offense that have some durability concerns, right? So we could see something like that happen again. He was wide receiver 22 and fantasy points per game in 2021. And that was in the last 10 outings. And that was because there was that whole situation with Kyle Shanahan had him in the doghouse early in the year. And Fortunately, he emerged and he slowly started to turn into this fantastic receiver. And then last year, we got the real breakout, 78 grabs, over 1,000 yards, eight scores, finished as the wide receiver, 24 in fantasy points per game. And then this offseason, everyone around the team, everyone with the organization just continues to talk about how this guy's unguardable, his development's continued. And he is going to be, in my opinion, the number one receiver in this offense moving forward. I know people like Debo. Joe, we talked about it when we did the mock draft yeah, episode yeah. recently that I think Debo's going a little bit too high. You have to take him in like the third round or so. You can get Ayuk a couple rounds later. I think mm -hmm. you should be taking that value. I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. I think he has top 12 talent. The only question is, can he get the volume to support that? We don't know that for sure, but... That's why we're mentioning these guys, because if things line up right for him, he could end up being a wide receiver one. Agreed again. Uh, and I think the perfect point you're making is very clear, which is Debo has risk at his price. Ayuk might have some risk at his price, but it's a lot cheaper price to find out if you're wrong. It doesn't sink your fantasy team where if you're wrong about Debo, I think it could if you take him a little bit too early. Tara, let's go to you for your number four pick here. Again, wide receiver threes that ready to make the jump maybe even as high as wide receiver one. Who's next on your list? For the record, I too love Brandon Ayuk. Um, another guy that I love. In well, there one. you go. We yes, all love Brandon Ayuk, everybody. <laughs> so put Brandon Ayuk on your cheat sheets, everybody, on Draft Wizard. Take him all the way up there. Again, use the Draft Wizard. Download the app. Make sure Brandon Ayuk is highlighted everywhere, and uh, that way you're on board with Tara and myself and Justin Boone. There you go. All right, Tara, who's next? Uh, besides Brandon Ayuk, who else you love? Another guy that I love and I want so much better for, and hopefully this is it, uh, Michael Pittman, heading into his fourth year, um, and despite all of the atrocities that he's had to deal with at quarterback. Um, <laughs> I mean, it seems harsh, but I mean, it's been painful. Um you know, Matt Ryan last year, just alone, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles. It was not fair, right? It's not fair for someone no, to have true. to deal with that. Um, but despite all that, he has finished as um, an overall top 20 receiver for the past two years. And this year, maybe the Colts have finally got it right. We can cross our fingers that fantasy managers can finally cash in on Michael Pittman's talent, um, the elusive upside that he offers, because it's there. He can be a wide receiver one. He's just had terrible, terrible luck his entire career as the Colts have tried these retread quarterbacks over and over and over again. And they finally got themselves a rookie. And let's hope that this is it for him. Um, because there will be some growing pains, obviously, with Anthony Richardson. But at least we know that he can stay on his feet 
and he can throw the ball downfield. And that seems basic, right? But if you watched any of the Colts games last year, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's literally what we need for Michael Pittman to be able to have that wide receiver one type of season. They just need a quarterback that can get the ball more than a few yards past the line of scrimmage. And then Pittman will literally have wide receivers one upside. And while some people, I know you're still skeptical of Pittman's ADP, even though it is extremely low for the talent that he actually is, more than likely you're probably going to be able to get an even bigger discount because if it's not low enough for you, don't worry, your, your league mates all feel the same exact way getting burned over and over that's a and great over point. again with Michael Pittman. Um, so I've watched that, That's Pittman. the best yeah. point. It really is. I, I think I, that, yeah, when, when it comes to Pittman too, I guess here's my question, yeah. you know, so much of this has to be the Anthony Richardson um, faith. Yes. So do you have faith in Anthony Richardson can, in your words, get past the atrocities <laughs> at least? Because if the, if he can be good with the atrocities, that's one thing. But this is a guy who also does not have a lot of experience, unfortunately. He has a ton of talent and a ton of those things that you're looking for in what is the modern day quarterback now. So do you have faith in Richardson being able to, despite any Jonathan Taylor noise or whatever's going on in that situation, help Pittman get to that next level? Because that's what he would have to do in order to get to wide receiver one. I do. And with Anthony Richardson, it's kind of a tough one because from a fantasy perspective from him, that's another story in terms of whether or not we're going to be able to consistently start him. Although I do think you should still be drafting him. It's just risky. But in terms of what he can provide for stability for Michael Pittman, I believe in it. So I do think that this is the quarterback. I love the fact that he has you know the arm strength and everything that Pittman needs to really thrive. What we saw last year from him is that he just struggled. They weren't utilizing him down the field. Everything was so close to the line of scrimmage. And I think that'll change now that we've got Anthony Richardson in there. So yes, I think Anthony Richardson is going to be a solution to kind of help Michael Pittman move forward. All right, let's get to another name on your list. Number three on your list of wide receiver threes and get to a one. I have a feeling we're going to fight about this one here, Boone. I partially want to put him on here because I know you made a stink yeah, about it when yeah. he got selected. <laughs> and I agree it's that very it seemed smelly. like he was selected yeah. a little bit high. I think Erickson took him in like the fourth round. That did seem maybe a little bit high in that draft that we did. But um, the potential for Chris Godwin, I mean, you just go back and look at what he's done, right? He finishes the wide receiver two in fantasy points per game and half PPR in 2019. That was his big, big season. Wide receiver 16 in 2020. Wide receiver 11 in 2021. And then last year, he's coming off a torn ACL. And he puts up wide receiver 20 fantasy numbers and it didn't look great. We can all agree on that. It was very volume based, but now some things are going to change. He's feeling a lot healthier. He's now two years removed from that ACL tear. And yes, he loses Tom Brady and he has to go to Baker Mayfield. That's horrendous. That is going to be terrible. Tom Brady threw the ball over 700 times, but it's not like we're going to see this offense now throw 400 times. They're still going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to be trailing a lot. I don't think this team is going to be very good. There's also been talk that Mike Evans could get traded. We see that Russell Gage got hurt. He's out for the season. That could mean more slot snaps for Godwin. So I really think when you look at it and you put together the fact that the Bucs have the fourth easiest fantasy receiver schedule in my strength of schedule matrix, that helps too. I think there's a good chance that a healthy Godwin now is going to be right back up there and that Mike Evans is the one that could have a harder time potentially with Baker Mayfield trying to connect with him downfield. We might see a lot of short stuff to Godwin. I think he's going to be able to produce and it will be hard. I think with Baker Mayfield for him to be a top 12 guy, I think the potential is there and I think he's a lot better than where he's going in drafts. I like the player, but believe me, I do. It's just the, enormous volume that Tom Brady takes with him. Like, you know, and he also, the the knowledge and all the things that Tom Brady took with him. 
I think even last year when we saw things unravel there, I think it was a lot worse than we even realized. And I think personally speaking from watching them last year that as bad as Tom Brady was at times, he was hiding some of the worst that is lurking in that locker room, in that offense. I agree with you 100%. Mike Evans, I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole. Tara, how do you feel about Chris Godwin? I don't think I've gotten your take on him because he scares the he scares the crap out of me. I'll be honest. Like, that's a player that I, I get where Justin's saying. I get the volume could be there. And if people want to point to Jameis Williams, uh, Jameis Winston, excuse me, uh, you know, his incredible year with Godwin. We were just throwing the ball all over the place. But that was Bruce Arians. This is not the same offense where Bruce Arians is like, yeah, just, you know, chuck and duck. Let's go. What do you think about Godwin this year? Is that somebody that you're intrigued if he falls in the right spot? I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, I am very much so on Justin's side on this one. He is uh, Chris good, Godwin. Is good, good. I love it. Good. He Tell me I'm wrong. Let's go. Literally every single value list that I have. Um, because again, for all the reasons that Justin stated, yeah, we're going to get a dip in production. I'll do We do have an, a new offensive coordinator, so maybe things won't be, I mean, they're going to be bad. Like, let's not skirt around it. It is going to be a bad situation. But if I'm comparing, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, knowing that the offense is going to have to push volume, knowing that it's going to be tough for them to rely on their run game with a bevy of uh, running backs that have no proven volume in the NFL. Um, if I'm going to trust Baker Mayfield to throw to one receiver, it's going to be Chris Godwin. I'm not trusting him to go downfield. I'm not trusting him with red zone targets. There's not going to be a lot of touchdowns here. Um, <laughs> but I don't think the touchdowns are going to affect Chris Godwin that much. We're going to see a decent okay. amount of volume for him. So he's the one that I'm targeting. And I, I like the discount that we're getting on him. I'm not reaching for it, but I think he's a perfectly fine value. So I, I do love Chris Godwin. It's also going to be a really concentrated passing attack too, right? Yep. Like there, there's not a lot of sure. options, especially sure. with Russell Gage hurt. So even if the, mm -hmm. the volume's coming down, I think Godwin's going to be the guy with the most targets there. And who's he really fighting with other than Mike Evans? Uh, Rashad White, I'm not totally convinced there. Kate Otten at tight end, I don't really think he's a star. So I think it's going to be mostly about those two receivers. And I think Godwin's going to be the one that has the better fantasy season. It's two to one. I'm on the mat. You guys put me there. That's that's perfectly <laughs> fine. I'm going to come back and leave everybody with this thought. Three words that Tara said. Trust Baker Mayfield. Scary. I want that to linger in quotes for <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I know you said if, but again, the words trust Baker and Mayfield are all together in a row. And when they're all together in a row, that's something to everybody. Just I want to leave you with that. And then I want to remind you all that the Fantasy Fest is brought to you by Betting Pros. Make sure you go join our YouTube channel over at Betting Pros, youtube.com slash betting pros. And also, don't forget, we've got amazing things going on there at BP. I'm going to be hosting the NFL show all season long there. Fitz is going to be with me. Eric's is going to be with me. We have a lot of amazing guests lined up, too. And we have an amazing contest, bettingpros.com slash NFL contest, where we're going to be giving away weekly prizes, monthly prizes, fancy pros swag, betting pros swag, you name it. Also, we're giving away a one-year premium upgrade on both apps, not to mention an annual yearly prize to the best person who wins the entire contest, an autographed Jackson Smith and Jigba jersey. That's pretty darn good last time I checked. So go download the BP app, sync all your sports books, get lined up so you can start betting smarter, not harder. Go premium if you want to, too. Use the best tools on the planet, which are betting pros. Find the best lines to make the best bets. That's how you make the most cash. All right, let's get to the next guy on the list here because I'm tired of talking about that guy. No more Chris Godwin for me. I'm going to bed. 
Boone, let's get to another guy on your list. Who else do you have as a wide receiver three who could make up all the way, climb the ladder to maybe one? Well, I mentioned before that I was going through this like string of guys that have been there before, have been these wide receiver ones for fantasy. And the next one up is Tyler Lockett. And I don't know that I would have said this prior to the Jackson Smith and Jigba injury, but now we're looking at a situation where I think we all kind of agree. I know Pete Carroll saying, oh, he might be back for week one. I think that's a stretch. A lot of the injury analysts are saying that there's a chance they could hold him out through the week five bye. That's Oof. a possibility that could delay JSN actually taking on a big role in this offense. And then you look at Lockett and what he's done. Top 15 fantasy receiver each of the last five years, eight touchdowns in all of those seasons. So if we see him come out, start hot, they bring in JSN. I think we're going to see all three of those guys mix in. And I think if Lockett's off to a hot start, the chances of him sort of, you know, fading away because JSN hits the ground running in week one, that's the odds of that happening probably are a lot lower now with this injury. So I really like him there. I talked about my strength to schedule matrix earlier. Seahawks receivers, they have the third easiest schedule there. Um, I really, really like Lockett now, especially early in the season. Maybe it's a scenario where, you get him and then you, you trade him away before JSN comes back or something like that. But if we're talking about guys that have a chance to get up into the top 12, it's a hard thing to find. You made us come up with five each. That's a lot of it names. Did. And Lockett is certainly somebody that's done it before and is going to have a shot to do it again, especially because this JSN injury. Do you think there's extra incentive for Lockett being on the contract here potentially? I think that definitely could be the case. I mean, and I know the arguments against it, you know, the, the age and stuff, but he's continued to produce, you know, four straight thousand yard seasons. I mean, are we going to be surprised if he ends up in the top no. 15 again? I don't think we would be. And we keep making this mistake every year. <laughs> Booney, <laughs> yeah. I got a ton of best ball of Tyler Lockett this year just because it was so cheap that I just went, look, I mean, you're going to tempt me to do it. He's a best ball wide receiver anyway. And now you're going to give him to me for half price. It felt like because everybody was just falling in love with JSN. And look, I get it. I understand why people love JSN, but you know, they want to win games. And if, you know, the rookies, you know, obviously starting off hurt is not the way you want to start the season, but my goodness, like there's every opportunity for Tyler Lockett to continue to be Tyler Lockett again. And JSN just kind of has this as the, I don't want to say red shirt year, but a year where he's learning and getting healthy and figuring out the league. And maybe he comes on more, you know, towards the latter part, something you worry about maybe when you get to the playoffs. Well, there you have it, everybody. That is the best of the fest. Don't forget, you can go back and watch the entire Festival of Fantasy Football Friendship over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasypros. Subscribe today. And of course, don't forget, all the podcasts will be on there. Some special live streams every single week during football season on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, and on Sundays to get you ready to set all your lineups, not to mention the short-form videos as well. We'll be cranking out content for you so you can dominate all of your fantasy football leagues in 2023. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on. For everybody here at Fantasy Pros, We'll see you next time, kids. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.